You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Welcome, mortals, to the Screener Squad. <laughs> Welcome to your doom. Welcome to the Screener Squad. My name is Chad Helverson. Here we have Tessa. Tessa! Yeah. Fozzie Ben. Howdy. Marka Waka. And Madam Rose. Hello. We're looking at the Muppets Haunted Mansion, which is available on Disney+. Plus. It is not a feature length. It is actually just under an hour. So basically it's a, a TV special, which is fine. They've done plenty of TV specials. So it's a very quick watch. It's got your typical Muppets uh, fair where you got celebrities and they play bit parts. And it's a kid's thing. You're not watching the Muppets for like hard hitting realism. Uh, you're watching the Muppets to <laughs> laugh and, you know, laugh at stupid jokes. So Tessa, I'm going to hand it to you. Oh, what do you think? It seems like Disney has like, you know what? We're remaking a bunch of animated features into live action. Why don't we just make a bunch of movies out of our actual fucking rides? Worked out for Pirates of the Caribbean. And also Jungle Cruise wasn't that bad. So why not Haunted Mansion? And let's throw some Muppets in there, too. It's been a long time since I, I rode Haunted Mansion, so I can't say for certain like how close to form it was. I, I remembered some of these parts. And uh, I feel like they're pretty good representations of it. I feel like it was just kind of Gonzo and Pepe uh, instead of our usual Rizzo, which we discussed the other day. Chad, if you want to discuss a little bit of what you found and what I kind of surmised. Yeah. So Tess and I were talking and we're like, you know, normally it's Rizzo that's always paired with Gonzo. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, they're kid and play. That's a very dated reference. But anyways, (laughs) they're really good together. Ask your parents. But we looked it up and uh, the voice of Rizzo, uh, and also he was Kermit uh, the Frog, Steve Whitmire, used to do the voice of uh, Kermit the Frog after Jim Henson, or was his son did it for a while? Yeah, Brian did it for a little while. No, he was uh, handpicked by Jim Henson to be his understudy, if I uh, remember correctly. He was there for everything through the Disney merger, and apparently he had some creative differences with Disney. Yeah. Uh, fought him a lot, it sounds mm-hmm. like, and they let him go in 2017. So it, it definitely feels, and I like Pepe. Like, I've always liked Pepe as a side character. Yeah, fun. It, it, it did feel like Rizzo should have been there yeah. instead. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if they don't have Rizzo's original voice actor around... So this is the Muppets. They they swap out voice actors for characters that remain in all the time. I think they could have found someone else to, you know, do it. 
I almost wonder if this was just a bit of a dig from Disney, even almost. But who knows? It's hard to say. But um, yeah, Disney's pretty petty. I can see him doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I, I can't fully complain that much about Pepe. I mean, he's a character I always love and hasn't really had a big role in a while in a Muppet movie. I mean, certainly some of the shows, he still shows up. It was, I could at least say, I don't think I, I hurt for having Pepe here. Definitely, though, you know, I grew up with Muppets, especially in the 90s. You know, um, uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol, especially with the Gonzo and Rizzo combo there. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, that's super ingrained in me that I expect that. So it definitely struck me when I'm watching this at very least. If you want to know what this movie is like, go back to the scene in Muppet Christmas Carol, the Marley Marley tune. Oh, yeah. Yeah where they superimpose ghost Muppets over the screen. This movie is that, but like the entire time. Yeah. You suspend the disbelief that these are puppets. Fine. But it did feel like everybody just recorded their lines on a green screen and then they superimposed them to the whole thing. Yeah. According to um, the, when, when you see all the actors, all the cameos at the end, uh, it's just shot, you know, in, in their costumes, whatever. And there was at least two of them that it was quite obvious that it was shot on Zoom, like on a laptop. It had the same <laughs> angle you see from a laptop camera, the same kind of lower quality than the other pictures on there. And I'm like, oh my God, did, did they just straight up shoot this over Zoom? Like... Well, they spent all that money on uh, licensing Dancing in the Moonlight for the whole end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. the, the front that and end credits. <laughs> if it wasn't such a damn good song, I'd be mad at them. It was stuck yeah. in my head for a while afterwards. Let's uh, turn to what makes a Muppet movie partly a Muppet movie is the random cameos from, you know, actors of the era. Or, or in this case, people that are owned by uh, Disney and Disney. usually appear on ABC shows. Like it, the the more names that went on, I was like, oh, so you guys are just pulling from your own stable on this. I got it. Except, uh, Joff or Jeff Cayley of uh, Jeff uh, Keeley, like, who's a big game Keighley, time, yeah. big time game journalist guy. He that was an was interesting cameo. I didn't even thing. recognize him. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even see him. Him and Pat Sajak. Now him, I did uh, recognize. He was the the. One of the singing busts in the beginning. But yeah, Jeff Cayley, yeah. I only noticed him in the credits and I'm like, what did no one did you like no one else return you guys' calls? Are you that hard up for people to do cameos <laughs> in Muppet movies now? I mean, I like Jeff Cayley. He's always been a very charismatic guy. He's one of the singing busts along with Pat Sajak, Craig Robinson, and I guess the mm-hmm. other two are uh two people I don't know, Justina Machado and Machado. Uh, Sky Jackson, who I have no idea who these people are, but good for them. Um, both actresses and both recently on Dancing with the Stars, which is probably how Disney had their phone numbers. <laughs> okay, it looks like Sky Jackson was also on at least one or two Disney shows, so I guess that mm-hmm. tracks. Uh, the, I think the bigger one for this for cameos has to be like, wasn't this probably the last cameo for Ed Asner for in anything? I was say, yeah. And what a role for him to play. And knocked it out of the park. Yeah, oh, as soon no. as he showed up as a ghost, I was just like, oh, oh. No. <laughs> I signed up for this to review this because obviously the Muppets, but Will Arnett is always my guy for everything. If I can ever afford to hire Will Arnett to do voiceover for anything I made, like I'll pay the premium. <laughs> He's totally worth it. 
his performance wasn't super strong in this, but again, yeah, it's it a puppet movie. You're supposed to act goofy and you're supposed to, you know, act along inanimate objects that are coming to life in front of you. The one thing that annoyed me about his character specifically was the fact that he he held the candelabra, the the candlesticks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was fake fire the entire oh, yeah. time. And I noticed right away and I'm just like, come on. Yeah. Like when when it he hands it off and Gonzo follows it to lead him to the uh, a room. I get that if you if you want to make it, you know, special effects and make digital fire or whatever. But come on, like he's holding the candle. Just light the freaking candle. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know if that bothered me so much as the different I'm types of. very angry about it, oh. as you can tell. Oh, whoa. OK, I'm sorry. <laughs> would you would you like to rage some more? I'm sorry. No, no, no. no. I'm done with my fire speech. Oh, OK. Fire walk with me, but not so much. Um, oh, hey, oh, quite sorry. literally at one point, huh? Quite literally at one quite point literally. in this movie, <laughs> I think they probably went with digital flame because Gonzo has those weird feathery bits on his head, and mm-hmm. and so does Pepe. So they probably had a bit of a flammability kind of thing going on there. But um, yeah, I was gonna say like the ghosts being juxtaposed in. I guess they might. Probably biggest critique was like the different types of lighting on the ghosts and just the ways that they weren't really well integrated together yeah. in the scene. Like Fozzie was like neon and yeah. all the others were kind of like a really like almost like sepia like blue. I know sepia is more of a and brown, I- but kind of like a muted blue. I kind of get why they did that because he was supposed to be portraying um, the the infamous hat box ghost, which is uh, an effect slash character that they had tried to implement in the Haunted Mansion ride since mm-hmm. its uh, inception and just couldn't do it until very recently. And quick side note, but uh, one of my friends is an Imagineer, is one of the people uh, who was responsible for finally figuring out how to do it. So Vinny, if you're listening to this, good job, man. I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that being said, up there in the attic scene where all the ghosts do have that real neon tinge to them. His skin is bright green, but not so much the, the ones in the ballroom, which is uh, where that where he shows up in this movie. And so, yeah, it does look incredibly jarring to have these somewhat more realistic toned down in terms of lighting and costuming and all that Muppet characters. And then you've got this really unsettling to look at zombie Fozzie the Bear. <laughs> it just it doesn't quite fit. I, was just saying, I think part of that too is Fozzie's fur is so much more textured than a lot of the other Muppets that they mm-hmm. use. Like a lot more of them are like the traditional, you know, felted Muppets. Like, you know, Kermit is very, he's one pattern or one, you know, piece of fabric throughout Fozzie's fur. When you put him in that green, it just, it feels like clearly it's a lighting effect as opposed to like, they clearly didn't make another Fozzie in like a phosphorescent green felt or paint. They just put him in a different lighting and it really stood out. And I get what you're saying that it was part of the Haunted Mansion story because I'm, I'm familiar with the idea of the Haunted Mansion and a lot of the lore of it, but I've never been on the ride. So I did some other research since then and I think a lot of the stuff they do, they do a great job of bringing that in there. Like Part of why Will Arnett's character kind of feels like he's not necessarily always doing a lot is because he's supposed to be the narrator of your riding on the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. He's not supposed to be a character. He's supposed to just be your tour guide. And, you know, you get there with Raji P. Henson's Constance Hatchaway is basically how they fleshed out a character from, like, the original ride in the last, was mm-hmm. it last decade or so, pretty much, to be a more detailed story and character with that name. They, they really did 
a good job of trying to bring a lot more of that to life, which I appreciate. Uh, and they did it a lot better than I think, you know, the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion did. They at least did it with more heart. <laughs> that felt like they were just yeah. like, hey, we need to get these gimmicks in. This was like, hey, these will be fun to do with a Muppet twist, right? And it was. That that was one problem that I had with it was, as someone who is super familiar with the ride and the lore of it and all that, I mean, it, it's not like a hill I'm willing to die on or anything. It's just a ride at Disneyland, but it is my favorite ride at Disneyland, and I, I found it kind of not annoying, but I, I couldn't quite keep up with them trying to wrap the the story of this around it being just a, a haunted mansion story versus trying to make it oh, it's actually kind of the ride, but not really. Like even the Doom buggies show up at one point and they even have a gag in there where they play the famous spiel that plays over the speakers when the ride has to stop for a minute, you know, and it's completely out of nowhere. And it, I, I found it funny because it popped up, but in the context of the story, it makes no sense whatsoever. And yeah. it's just like, okay, well, is this supposed to be fictional or is it supposed to be the ride or whatever? And I, I thought that some of those elements and some of the characters, they were out of place for where they could have been in the story versus just putting them in there because fans will recognize this person and that person. Well, I feel like we've talked about this a bit. It's a very short, you know, again, mm-hmm. TV special without the commercials. But why don't we kind of wrap up our thoughts and we'll just stick with Rose? Um, yeah, I, I thought it was cute. It, I would most certainly recommend it to anyone who uh, likes the Haunted Mansion or someone who has kids. It's perfectly serviceable, uh, lighthearted Halloween fair. But me, as a big Muppet fan, as a big Haunted Mansion fan, I didn't quite get as much out of it as I was hoping I would. When I when I first saw the trailer, I was just ecstatic because I thought, wow, what two perfect things to put together because both the Muppets and the Haunted Mansion have this wonderful kind of madcap energy to them that would just fit together perfectly. But it could have been a, a COVID casualty in, in terms of the, the production value and all that we've certainly seen much better things come from Muppet Studios. Um, I, I thought that it wasn't quite like dark and mischievous enough, not that I wanted it to be like dark and gritty and then uh, sad or anything like that, but more along the lines of what we had seen previously in like the Muppet Christmas Carol and things where they still kept that dark, spooky atmosphere, but made it Muppets and made it fun. Uh, and I just didn't quite get that here. It was, it was too well lit. It was just kind of surface level everything. Um, but I, I didn't have a bad time watching it. Uh, I would give it six and a half uh, obscure references to the ride out of ten. All right, Ben? I'm a big Muppet fan. I won't say I'm like the deepest knowledgeable person about like, you know, Muppet history and all that. But I I definitely love, you know, the movies, the shows, everything. So it's really excited for this as a fan of that and spookiness. There's some of that here. There's some scenes that I think are really fantastically done. They know how to write Gonzo really well as that both really self-aware and absurdist character at the same time. And, you know, Pepe was a good foil for that one here. Where are the famous people's? <laughs> Give me the gift bags. It'd be famous people who would get me in their movies. And you know what? It's kind of great. There, there's a great cameo from a famous person. That's his famous person cameo. That it was a good bit. I'm not going to spoil it because it's it's one of those ones that's like enough left field of a of a person to put in a 2021 Muppet movie that I kind of really enjoyed it more for that. Overall, no, it was shorter than I expected going in. I didn't check in advance. It had 
some false starts or some, you know, slight missteps. But you know what? It had all the perfect levels of corny Muppet humor that I go for. There's some of those jokes that are just like, yeah, this is this is basically the almost dad joke level of Muppet joke that I love where it's like it can work for a family friendly thing, but it's some higher level adult humor knowledge like works to play this joke better. It's not every time, but it's enough. Uh, so I'm going to give it seven and a half out of ten Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> Tessa. Speaking of like Pepe being all like starstruck or whatever, I'm just looking just looking at the IMDb page and the trailer. Pepe is dressed like Dwayne the Rock Johnson with the black sweater. <laughs> like turtleneck with the gold chain. It's really yes, you're right. <laughs> it's really good. Um <laughs> like the the comedy is is pretty on point. I I feel like yeah, the stars they pulled for this could have been a little bit maybe a, a better like all-star cast. Yeah, I've seen films they've done before where they've they've maybe pulled a little bit higher ranking celebrities, but again, COVID times. And I didn't think any of the songs were real bangers, you know, none of them really stuck Mm -hmm. with me after the fact, except for dancing in the moonlight, which I guess would overpower any of them anyways. I feel like I watch Muppet films and a couple of the songs usually stick with me afterwards. And and none of these really did. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I am a fan of the Muppets. I'm, I being a person who makes puppets on occasion. Um, and I do fiber art. I, Grew up with Henson, like many people, and I have rode the Haunted Mansion ride. It's been a while. The part I remember the most was like at the beginning when you go in that one room and the ceiling starts to like get higher and you get lower in the room. It's weird, like a little elevator situation, but a lot of it I don't recall. So I don't know how, like I said earlier, how true to form it is to that. But as far as like a Muppet movie, I feel like this was just a bunch of like vignettes and there wasn't really like an overarching plot. Yeah. And so it was just kind of they were just jumping from one thing to the next. And so I feel like from a writing perspective, it wasn't very strong. I I guess given that and everything we've already said, I I probably give it about, mm, I don't know, like a six out of ten Jumbo King Prawn. T.C. DeWitt, he's one of us. He reviews a lot of stuff. He actually wrote Stage Musical years ago. And then we ended up turning it into our first feature we ever worked on together, which took like a million years and it was the hardest thing ever. But we did it with puppets. Nice. And it is so hard. It is like the whole idea behind it was, hey, we can't afford to, you know, pay the actors to be here randomly for the next year. So we'll just record their voices and then we'll add in the flaps later man that even that idea was hard so making something like this even with all the visual effects and the new things that are added to it it's still an art form that's really hard this movie i default to it's for kids like i can sit here and critique it all i want yeah like oh wasn't this movie better and remember when they did this they're not all gonna be bangers Rewatching this a second time it's solid like i feel like the transitions like you said Tessa, it's all vignettes and broken apart. If those were a little bit smoother, I feel like some of the jokes would land better. All that being said, I still had a good time watching it with my daughter. She thought it was fun. So for her, she gets an extra 0.5. So Mm -hmm. 6.5 unnecessary Ed Asner's (laughs) out of 10. (laughs) I mean, maybe it's just me. If they want to do a Muppet, you know, horror 
their Halloween thing, just do Jason Siegel's Dracula musical, please. <gasps> Can, Can I just, just see it? it? Oh God! Can I just die? You die, know it's there. Die. It exists. All of it. He's already written it. It's already like done. He needs a producer. He needs money. Come on, Disney. We're waiting. Come on, Disney. <laughs> you cowards. No I'm kidding. <laughs>